2020, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Live exclusively for WCPT in Chicago, standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. Good morning, everybody. So technically, I guess, what, at this point, we're uh, back to abnormal? Is that is that going to be the phrase? Is that how we're going to address this? Definitely, yeah. Um, the dust-up that came from the uh, Iranian... Uh, assassination of Soleimani, which uh, can I can I just dive into my most evil self for a moment? I was talking to the lovely and talented uh, Jackie Schechner about this um, last week. And it would seem to me if you had any brains at all as a human being who uh, had achieved the level of presidency or even someone who could whisper in uh, the president's ear, you know, those, th- those folks who have, who have gotten to um, a level where they've earned the right to be the person who gives the president advice. You would think, you would hope, I suppose, um, that it would be a, you'd be, you'd be a very intelligent person or at least clever enough to fool everyone. These are the these are the That's two. That's not been the case. No, um, not 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 recently, and certainly not uh, during the Bush administration. Uh, God knows, oh, yeah. in terms of Middle East pro, uh, um, policy. But in looking at the the killing of Soleimani, the airstrike that hit him, and the inability to tell the difference both in the the cabinet people surrounding the president and the president himself, that there is a distinct difference between killing a terrorist with no home state and killing a leader of another country while they're on foreign soil. And what that does to our, to the legal ramifications of someone doing that to one of our people or an allies um, government official in future, right? That, that, that would be the primary concern and why we do have rules of engagement and rules of war a lot of times is because bad things never happen to us. That's right. Yes, it is clearly um, the the distinction protects your people. And when it doesn't, you have both moral authority and political recourse uh, in terms of dealing with other allies that you may have to bring uh, pressure to bear on the country that does the acting, does the does the assassination or the murder or what have you. 
Now, we know that Donald Trump is a huge fan of Vladimir Putin. He envies Kim Jong-un and the ability to just kind of dust off people once he's tired of them or if they stand between him and what he wants. And Putin just, uh, you know, sent assassins to kill somebody on the streets of Berlin. He obviously sent people to kill people in England. And these are not this is not Iraq reforming itself. These are uh, fully functioning in quotes, I suppose, sometimes, uh, Western countries um, where uh, it would allegedly be a, a, a situation or it would be a presumed to be a, a situation where you would ratchet up the potential for violence by doing such a thing. Right. And a lot of that goes unnoticed. It goes, nobody seems to care. You know, there seems to be a, um, like a real issue with letting him get away with it. Um, and in, and in, there is a, I think Trump is learning a lesson from these guys, um, and is envious of their ability to sort of get away with this stuff, which is why you try to have an international standard that reaches across uh, a broad swath of the world. Uh, and when it came to killing Soleimani, he regarded it like a couple of the people around him as the same as killing um, al-Baghdadi or one of those folks. And it's just a terrorist. We're just naming him a terrorist. We, you know, and there's no question this guy had it coming not just from us, but from a myriad of Iraqis. Uh, the, uh, the Israelis would like to see this guy gone. Um, no one is mourning this guy being removed from the earth. It's how... And with what strategy to protect people around uh, that area of the world and solidify American security that did you have in place when this happened? Because there's a huge difference between I mean, it's there's going to be blowback when you kill a terrorist. His organization is going to want revenge. The, the um, you know, the followers of al-Baghdadi definitely would, if they could push back against us and, and kill people in, in retribution for that that death. But it's different when you have an actual nation state. And it's also very different when the guy was a part of the Iranian revolution. He's been around for a long time. He wasn't they're not he's not one of their Pez dispenser um, leaders that happened to you know show up both in ISIS and Al Qaeda and other organizations where, you know, there's always a guy waiting in line. Sometimes they kill their own person. You know, it's not that kind of a situation. This guy's been entrenched. He was. Um, sort of, uh, he almost had like a folk hero status within Iran to some degree. And so, again, not that getting rid of him is, is wrong on whole cloth. The issue is, what do you have in place to make sure that anything that follows up or that you at least have some sort of, um, some fallback with the international community that they're not going to go, Oh, hey, uh, so we've noticed you started murdering the military leaders of uh, other countries, sovereign countries, not just terrorist organizations, when they're uh, when they're in another country. How far does that stop? And like, how, how does that go? How do you um, what what's the standard now? And the standard seems to be, according to some of, uh, some of the people we've had on TV lately from the administration and in articles that it's bad actors from bad countries. Well, 
define that. Holy smokes, right? We're talk about a, a, a lack of legal definition in that circumstance. But here's me being completely evil. You ready? Do it. Okay. In the car with, uh, with Soleimani was a Hezbollah leader and a leader of an Iraqi military group, like a militia that had been fighting against the establishment in, uh, in Iraq, trying to destabilize the government and had, you know, he was, he was this guy who coordinated the roadside bombing thing. So he was in a vehicle with two other guys who learned from him, got material support from him, got money from him, got weapons in theory, um, those kind of things. Um, and, um, those elements, uh, you know, him being in the, you know, they were, they were relying on this guy to get them those things. To me, if I was uh, thinking strategically and not worried about my own ego, um, uh, I, the U.S., according to strikes it's made before, has uh, the complete right, uh, and Israeli would, uh, the Israelis would have the same uh, similar ability legally to strike that vehicle to kill the Hezbollah leader or the leader of the, uh, the Iraqi militia group who was causing trouble and killing people. And Soleimani could have been collateral damage in your messaging. You would have gotten him, but you would have had to, in secret, say, yeah, we meant to get him, and we lucked out that those two guys were in, but you publicly you talk about it the opposite way. You come out and go, yeah, we were trying to hit this Hezbollah leader and this other guy who was coordinating IED. Why was your guy in the car with him? Yeah. And then the, the Iranians have no moral pushback they're in trouble on the international stage. It makes it harder for them to argue that, you know, this was a, um, an extrajudicial strike, any of those things. You know, it, it becomes one of those things like, you know, you, you bust open the do door on a, uh, a, you know, a place in Mar-a-Lago and uh, wouldn't, or near Mar-a-Lago and there's a bunch of Trump's friends who are happen to be in the place that gets busted, that kind of thing. It's... It, this this extra ability to go, oh, we didn't mean to do that, but look at the company he kept. What is what are you doing, Iran? And then you have the entire international community supporting you. You don't have the ratchet up of of the military stuff, which led to the downing of that plane. Um, and you know, in response, the Iraq the Iranian government, Khomeini, apparently guiding his own uh, response, you know, this idea of him, his own version of I'm in the war room telling them what to hit. And what was the ultimate response? They fired some missiles that hit nothing. They blew up a plane full of people that were doing business with their country or, or their own citizens, mm -hmm. a mix of those folks. And... They, they trampled to death 75 people at the funeral of Soleimani. It, like the, the death toll in Iran from the Iranians is, it, it, I mean, eclipses anything the Americans could have done in this regard, as far as, military, you know, besides all out war. Like we've struck, think about some of the, uh, like the, the, the strategic strikes we made in Iraq at certain times where we blew up a facility. 
and killed fewer than 75 people. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the, the death toll from just their reaction to this is, is not very promising for the Iranian people. Um, we got to take a break. We'll be back. It's the House Park Radio program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Uh, does it feel like to you we've almost like that was a cul-de-sac where we almost had World War Three and now we're back to this weird abnormal? Like we're just yeah. sitting in it now again. It's so. Yes, that's, that's exactly how I feel. It's so bizarre. Now, I don't think that the, the Iranian uh, repercussions are over by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, the pullback happened. We'll talk a little bit about how I think it happened when we come back. Picture your face in the mirror. You see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about crow's feet or large under eye bags? Well, imagine they're gone. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. Just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minute. It's, it's the edge you're looking for. Simply put, you'll be blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself out at work or with friends. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody knows you're using it, unless of course you tell them, which is sort of bragging. Go to triplexiderm.com and use my code SEXYLIBERAL for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code SEXYLIBERAL. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today and use the code SEXYLIBERAL at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com. This is Tom Harvin, and you're listening to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. So I had, um, you know, as this stuff was rolling out, um, uh, I was one of these people like we're we are in a hot war with Iran. Um, and I don't believe that is untrue just because of this dial back. I do not believe that somehow. And by the way, the, the Iranians are doing a great amount of propaganda within the country. And that is being taken by a lot of people that this is how they're going to respond. They're going to do this. And then, uh, you know, they sent off a few of these bombs, tell their own people they were incredibly successful. And then they'll that'll be that. That's that's the storyline that's going around right now, that this is a weak response from the Iranians. You're not going to hear any more from them. Uh, Our strike worked and we're back to abnormal. My issue with that is is the Iranians are now using this as a reason to reconstitute their nuclear weapon system. And the Russians are helping them. So the, the Russians have been partnering with the Iranians in, in their nuclear systems, both, uh, I guess, largely under the idea that it's a, a peaceful nuclear system for ages. Like in 2003, they partnered with them on one of the biggest reactors in the country, the one that had to be shut down and all that. Um, the, the Russians were engaging in this sort of back and forth. And at one point during the negotiations pre-Iran deal about how they would uh, deal with the, the, the weaponizable waste of the nuclear system that the Russians had helped them put in place, 
the initial thing was, okay, we'll make the uranium that they can use in their reactor in Russia. And that way, the waste is also produced in Russia. And we'll keep that and we'll just send them the part that you can use uh, as fuel. And then somewhere around 2005, 2006, that shifted to they'll make it there, but we'll take the waste. Russia will take the waste back from them. We'll be responsible for getting it from them, which I'm sure we all trust Russia to do a great job cleaning up nuclear waste. Um, But on top of that, effectively just making Iran a a factory for Russia's weapon system. Because now, at least for that period of time, pre-Iran deal, the Iranians were making the, the weapons-grade uh, uranium uh, hexafluoride, I think, or whatever it was, that, they, that you make the, the bombs out of. So instead of Russia having to make it in their own country where it's dangerous and worry about it, they just outsourced it to Iran, and Iran became this nuclear factory for them for a time. During the back and forth about the Iran deal, there was uh, there were, uh, the languaging I kept hearing in uh, both like the the white papers written up about it and about articles at the time was that Russia was would taking a hard line with Iran and then they would soften their position and then they would uh, address what the the UN and the, or the EU and the United States wanted um, more directly and they would get harder on uh, Iran and then they would uh, push back against the, the EU and the US. And the idea was that there was this, uh, thank you, uranium hexafluoride, thanks very much, UF6. Um, uh, Hal Vickery, I appreciate that. Um, and in... Uh, in doing so, the, the, the prevailing story was that Russia was going back and forth. You know, they were, they were changing their mind about the Iranians and their system. I don't think there's any reason to believe that that was the case. I think it's a lot. It's quite obvious that they were lying and what? had every reason to lie to the international community. And even to manipulate Iran in this, because just like the U.S., it's not like they like Khomeini and they like the 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 Iranian government. But a certain level of chaos and control benefits them long term, especially if they can be seen to be playing nice largely. Uh, If they're if you're the the courier out of the 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 zone, the walled in area that someone is you. You're not a a liar when you smile at the guard gate as you exit. It's a necessary part of coming and going. You know what I mean? Does that make sense, Johnny? Absolutely. That that if you, there's this idea somehow that you can tell good guys and bad guys on the world stage by how uh, distinctly good or bad they are. And any languaging uh, either way that softens their, what seems to, you know, soften their argument on something or push back another direction means that they're caving or something because that's the sort of the flip-flop language was very big back then. You remember that was, you know, they were holding up John Kerry's, you know, uh, like holding up flip-flops about John Kerry, that kind of thing. This idea that if you have a nuanced response or a variance in how you deal with something, you're somehow um, changing your mind. Um, And 
that and Russia benefited from that for a long time. And the fact is, I personally think, judging from their behavior and what Lavrov has said and what Putin has said and their behavior on the world stage, that they were just simply lying. And they were using the Iranians uh, and the and to uh, manipulate the world and vice versa and benefiting from both sides of this argument, that it is a manipulation and ultimately awarded them with uh, the the nuclear waste they needed for the uh, the uranium hexafluoride that they needed to make their own missiles being outsourced to another country. So they don't have to worry about pollution around that. Russia's already got a big pollution problem. 50% of the people in Russia don't have clean water to drink. Um, and now that the Iran, the, the Iranian deal has blown up because of Trump and, and gee, who whispers in his ear without note takers or translators notes being, uh, kept. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ultimately, you have a situation where, you know, Putin is now in a unique position to move into Iran and say, hey, we're going to supply them with a peaceful nuclear system. They pulled out there and they're the ones giving them the centrifuges. They're the ones giving them the material support. This isn't even a, like this isn't even a conspiracy theory. This is just true. You know, this is just a reality like it, it, the Israelis in the U.S. know and have known for quite some time that if we blew up a nuclear uh, reactor in in Iran just to, you know, to stop their program or whatever, you would kill Russian scientists who are there teaching them how to use this stuff and developing it. There are, you know, the Iranians and, the, and have Russian scientists in the country working at all these facilities. I mean, that's, you know, that's the reality. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're almost up to, the, to that break. So my, my concern is this feels like a big chess move, which brings me to Israel. So Israel's hawkish position on Iran leading up to the Iran deal and saying it wasn't harsh enough and all that, some of the pushback that they've gotten and the leverage that they have in in terms of uh, Syria, for example, has been in coordination with Russia. And this idea that Russia is a, uh, a partner in the region, just like the U.S., to the point where Netanyahu went to uh, Moscow, met with Putin, met with uh, the, the other foreign minister that they had. Uh, it wasn't Lavrov. I forget the guy's name, but they were the idea is that to shore up his national security credentials and to show that he was a, pl- a power player on the international stage, just like Zelensky wanted to come to the United States, uh, Netanyahu went to Russia to meet with them about this stuff. And then there, suddenly there's this big scuttle in the uh, Israeli elections, and what seemed like a, a sure fit starts to fall apart for Netanyahu. And the guy, Lieberman, who he's running against, represents, speaks Russian and represents a great number of Russian-born Jews that had come to the country. And so there's this, one of the ways, that one of the hard times the internet research agency that Russia runs has a hard time fooling Americans sometimes is bad grammar and and horrible English and the inability to seem natural, right? Well, that's not a problem in Russia and it's not a problem in the Israeli elections when you're dealing with the constituent that Lieberman is leaning towards, who he has as his base. And I mean, it... And all of a sudden, 
Israel is on its heels politically right at the time when this uh, target assassination happens and the and, you know, which uh, feels like Trump got to go ahead. And the Israel, uh, the, the Iranians have been told to hold back, don't respond, you know, kind of a, a Mike Flynn phone call. Don't bomb them the way you want to bomb them. <laughs> Hang out. You're going to get nukes out of this. And that's precisely what's going to happen. Israel is on its political heels right now. The Iran deal has fallen apart. There is no proxy put in place to replace it in any way. And and the Iranians have no reason to enter into an agreement with us or the Europeans for an unenforceable uh, or, or or shoddy uh, nuclear uh, de- you know de-escalation treaty of any sort. Because why would they at this point? And and who's standing there on the in the wings? waiting to take control of the entire circumstance. I, I just, it can't be an accident, guys. And again, this idea that we're somehow in this red scare, this is a red scare. The red, reds were the communists, okay? This, we're not talking about Russia as a, as a socialist or communist order, and that's what they're pushing for. This dude's a gangster. Right. Putin, this is not about the Russians as a, even a governmental organization or what their idea of a constitution would be or our system of government versus their system of government, which is what the Red Scare and all that stuff was about. This is about a gangster who makes $140,000 a year in his salary is worth $200 billion playing footsie with Ayatollah Khomeini, who is has a similar salary and is worth $80 billion. Khomeini is worth $80 billion dollars um we'll be back it's house parks radio program mega worldwide now let's get back with house parks radio program mega worldwide welcome back to the show so um the i i think it would behoove us all to start um bucking the trend of sort of knee-jerk reaction that's been a part of i think I mean, it's a natural part of human exchange, but it also gets blown up by social media. And it, it the the instant reaction to things has given rise to what we refer to sometimes as cancel culture or, or you know, when you have Twitter mobs jumping on someone or, you know, right, right. Gamergate and, you know, somebody dares to criticize uh an individual video game and then, you know, dozens of, you know, gamer nerds from a Reddit thread jump in somebody's Twitter feed and start throwing threats and and invectives around that the, you know, and and I will play that game sometime and I quite frankly enjoy it. And anytime you see me uh, on social media where it appears that I am angry in my writing, understand I'm I probably have a big grin on my face because I kind of enjoy the battle and I know the distinction between that and an actual fight fight, right? There's a difference. But because we have gotten so used to this idea of direct um, reaction um, and the idea that the person who has the quickest response has the smartest response, um, and maybe this is part of me just only having a show on one day a week, you know? So I get to grind about some of these things over a couple of days (laughs) and consider, um, obviously stuff happens and we roll up and we try to talk about it and make sense of it. But over the course of a week, you start going, I'm noticing a pattern here. And am I allowing myself to be led around by the nose in, in these situations? And that's something that we always have to 
um, watch out for. So in the case of what's going on in Iran what's, uh, and, and the plays that Russia is making in the region and, and, in, and in North Africa, especially, by the way, because right now Russian arms are flowing into North African countries where there are a lot of these uh, um, proxy groups that Iran works with who are vowing revenge. And that revenge, by the way, more, uh, more often than not, will not come against actual Americans or American interests. They will oftentimes blow up what they consider to be, even when it's not a, an American business because it's a Western company from a country that does business there full of people from that country. The, oh. you know, that's, you can, you know, that's what reaction uh, and, and like, that's what it gets you in the end. So the, the issue I have is whenever this stuff comes up, and by the way, we're going to see, we have not heard the last of what Iran is going to do. We're certainly not heard the last of this president deciding, well, I got away with that. What can I do next? And the idea that because he's being led around by the nose in this circumstance, there's a very strong chance he will try something like this again. And there's a reason why, um, after the Iranians blew up an airplane leaving one of their own airports, the 10th one to fly out that morning. So the idea that it was a complete accident is hinky as well. Uh, the whole thing's very Jeffrey Epstein. Russian missile fired by uh, Iranians knocking down a Ukrainian plane. Were they counting? They didn't hit any of the other planes going to other countries. They just managed to hit the Ukrainian one. I'm sure that's odd. Uh, that was an accident. Um, and then the, the people trampled at the thing and then the firing of the missiles, which were basically a, like a warning shot while telling their people that they actually killed. I think they said they killed 330 Americans on Iranian state TV. That's what they were telling. Wow. And either. Either. I mean, nobody can check there, you know, because they have complete control of the Internet and, and all that. I mean, and there's, you know, people sneak around it. They're. VPNs being what they are, but either their, you know, either their lie is huge or ours is ginormous. Um, and I'm going to go with theirs is a, a, a lie in this, because if we'd have heard about two, they, it, it would have been an excuse for everybody to cut loose. Um, unfortunately, the the response is if, if that was it from Iran and the, the presumption has been that that's it. Um, and that what we're going to see is simply a, you know, that's the end of the physical attacks. We've, it's a, we've hit a reset point and it is, uh, it's over. That episode is done. That's the perception right now. That's how people are talking about it. And I just, th- if it were any country with a functioning military and proxy militias that they work with, of course, it's not over in that regard. And a day after um, that that strike, the um, the uh, I think it was Greg Abbott, the uh, the governor of Texas, said they were getting ten thousand uh, Iranian hack attempts on their government computers a minute. Ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, and the idea that it's just Texas. I, I, why, why would we believe that? Now, these are just, you know, probing attacks, by the way. And they will, you know, all they have to do is find one person that they can they can fish 
or they can, uh, you know, set up some sort of uh, a malware on their computer and then just let it sit there till around election time. And we are in a very dangerous place right now where effectively the Iranians through proxies or, or directly have the opportunity to create an October surprise um, or, or ratchet up violence during the summer. Or, you know, and, and, and this, is, this is my concern. So right now, the standard has been raised to military uh, installations with U.S. personnel in them being shot, being hit by rockets fired from Iran. That's new, right? Before that, it was um, blocking ships in the Straits of Hormuz, working through proxies and IEDs. Now that those things are considered lower on the military scale, the number and volume of those that the Iranians can feel like they can get away with is higher. Because if we didn't strike back for them firing actual missiles into facilities, you know, whether they missed or not, them running interference or firing at ships in the Straits of, Strait of Hormuz or doing, you know, any of their other proxy stuff they've been doing is lower on the scale than that. Oh, my God, they fired missiles from their own territory into uh, base, you know, into our at bases that contain military personnel from the United States knowingly. What that does is it creates a it it pushes the entire scale of violence down where they can get away with more of it. And it's harder for the U.S. to push back now. On those uh, elements, and if it or the worst part of it would be that Trump takes it that anything they do is now equally equivalent. And so if a if a proxy group decides to take some uh, initiative and blow something up on their own and they've been previously linked to Iran or are currently linked to Iran and did or didn't, we'll never know, do something at the behest of the Iranian government. He may feel like he has the right to do something full scale. And if, and I, I really honestly think that one of the only things that led to this pullback currently is the fact that Israel, the Israeli government is on its heels right now. If Netanyahu had a sound victory in his election and was, uh, and had maintained control of that government cleanly, um, he, it, we would have struck, I think. I think that was one of the major aspects of this. And does this, you know, does the idea that Iran will now be able to get nuclear weapons, which, you know, Trump is saying we will never let them have a nuclear weapon. I don't know how you go about doing that short of bombing sites within their country. Is that Trump's October surprise? Because right now, Iran is not developing a nuclear weapon. They are getting the materials to make one from a country that has thousands of them. They don't have to start from scratch like North Korea does. So the real concern is Trump wants to let them get close because they said, yeah, we're reconstituting our stuff. They set it out in the open. And then somewhere around August, we hit them with a Moab or a nuke or whatever and there's a lot of chest pounding and now we're in a real hot war and you don't change horses midstream and we're back to um, Bush 2006 or 2004. Awesome. Yeah. 
So that that's my concern, is that this idea that somehow everybody's back to abnormal. Everybody's just like, well, that happened. Uh, what else you got? Um, just does not look strategically down the line. And it would behoove people in the news media, especially who talk about these things, to recognize that there's a long game being played by other people, even if our own leadership is too short-sighted. That's my concern. Um, Robin in our chat room says, my guess is the Iran general being killed was Putin approved. Um, I, I agree. I certainly think that there was a... Yeah, how can you do otherwise? They had a hand in the negotiation uh, with how to handle it afterwards. But the idea is that you give up this, you know, this guy gets killed. And then from this, you get nukes. That guy would have martyred himself so that Iran had nuclear warheads, I think. I mean, you know, does anyone think that Soleimani wouldn't have died to get nukes for this, his country? Isn't that effectively what he did? That's the creepy part. And that's why, you know, that's that's what that's why you don't take that step. Um, or if you take that step, you take mitigatory steps outside of it to make sure that um, they're not. The Iranians are now in a situation, thanks to the actions of this president and his pulling out of the Iran deal and his specific attacks on, you know, choosing to target this guy. Where the Iranians can argue to the rest of the world, the only way we are safe is if we have nukes. Look at North Korea. If North Korea didn't have nukes, we would have, we or somebody else would have rolled over them a long time ago. And everybody knows that. One of the reasons why Saddam Hussein is dead is because he didn't have weapons of mass destruction and we knew it. If he'd had them, we wouldn't have rolled in there like that. Um, and this, and that's my concern about this, is that Iran will now see this as the only way that they are safe from an external attack from the United States or Israel is we must have nukes for our own self-defense. And because of how Trump has acted and the fact that he extrajudicially blew up a dude who was on foreign soil and wanted total credit and just called the guy a terrorist and basically said that Iran is a failed state. That's what you say when you like when you're when you say that Soleimani was simply a terrorist instead of going he was, you know, he, the Iranian government is supporting terrorism. This guy was the coordinator. That's great languaging. If the minute you go he's just a terrorist, <clears throat> then you basically are saying the Iranian government is a fa- is is a fake government, it's a failed state. It's it's like the caliphate and I, you know, at ISIS, it's not, it, it doesn't deserve international recognition. Meanwhile, we're recognizing North Korea. And the argument from the Iranians will and will continue to be, uh, if we don't have a nuke, we're dead. Pakistan has one. It's the only reason India hasn't rolled over them. So we, we think we need one too. And now there's a real hard argument pushing back on that internationally. So we got to take a break. We'll be back. It's Housemarch Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. <laughs> um, th- th- we were just having a, a Siri moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she won't stop talking to me. No, that's right. Uh, um, She's obsessed. Yeah. Hey, Siri, what's the temperature in Tehran right now? In Tehran, Iran, it's 37 degrees. Ooh. It's very cold in Tehran right now. That is cold. Is it the middle of the night? Is that why? Um, I don't know, uh, like timing wise. No, I think that's later. Yeah, it's yeah, that's 
That's chilly. Um, so uh, Tom in our chat room brought up that uh, Richard Haas of the, of the Council of For- on Foreign Relations has lamented the likely end of nuclear nonproliferation because of reasonable fear of U.S. policies. That's per- I'm Sherry, your virtual assistant. Yes, we know. Thank you. <laughs> um, she's very helpful. Um, imagine how hard it is to talk about Syria um, in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was like when I was trying to talk about Alexei Navalny, um, the, the, the guy who's running against Vladimir Putin in Russia. And I had to change the, I have an Alexa in the house. <laughs> yeah. and it, it, you can change it to Amazon or Echo. You can take it, change its yeah, name. Yeah. I had to do it. So, yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. Oh, and Hal Vickery says we activated theirs as well. I, 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 yeah. Um, so I can't time out your, <laughs> Uh, everybody's trying. Yeah, everybody says Siri is flirting. Um, Rocky Mountain Mike says, "I hope we don't trap Alexa and or attack Alexa in this." Um, it Iranian Pride says it is snowing in Tehran. Um, you know that, and it, which is an interesting point. You know, the British used to go skiing in Tehran before oh, oil yeah, yeah. was a thing. It was a it, there was all this normalized cultural exchange in Iran before oil worked in. And, and uh, Rachel Maddow's book, um, you know, Blowout, which is about, you know, sort of the, the resource curse of a lot of countries where they discover something and it, and it should be a, a boon to their populace. It should be great. They have this resource. The world needs it. All they got to do is pull it out of the ground and sell it or, or, uh, or mine it and, the, and the, and the country will have an influx of money that they've never, uh, you know, had before, and it will help them with education and healthcare and all these kind of things. And it does for a time, and then corruption just rolls in because it is a single sourced um, way of getting money. It's a, it's it, it, you know, and you, it almost like makes you makes these countries oddly lazy otherwise. You know, that it's such a reliable form for a time, especially for decades, you know, where it just normalizes your, you know, the, the culture of, well, our country has a tremendous amount of money because of the oil. And, and we talked about how Saudi Arabia is going to be, is cash broke effectively. Um, what does uh, tensions with Iran being ratcheted up and, uh, and issues in Venezuela and the like, making it in, uh, difficult for them to pull, you know, they have the biggest oil reserves in the world. It, what's the benefit of them not having a functioning country or Iran's oil, which is the, I think third or seventh, as far as how much they have, uh, left of the world. I don't buy the Saudi numbers. Um, so that's that uh, we'll put that aside. Um, What's the benefit of that oil not going to market? Uh, it inflates the price of a barrel of oil. So what's when you have a situation where you've got the biggest reserves in the world or you have access to a, um, the Strait of Hormuz in Iran's case, where you can get that oil everywhere easier than other people, unlike you know Canadian shale oil and stuff like that. Um, getting that off the market benefits everybody else who makes money in the oil trade, including, the, the, you know, all the Middle Eastern countries that seem regularly ganged up against Iran in this regard. And the Iranians as a public, you know, we've heard forever in this country how they have a lot more in common with 
the West and the U.S. particularly than anybody else. And the variety of religions practiced in 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 Iran before it, you know, I don't know how to say this nicely, became a Muslim country. Um, uh, is indicative of, I think, of a history, you know, that that matches very well with polytheistic and monotheistic religions working together at the same time, you know, um, throughout Europe and Asia that did get along well. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll beat my drum about, you know, the, the difficulty of spe- specific strains of, uh, of monotheism being used as, you know, in lieu of a governmental system on another at another time. But, you know, Iran had a lot going for it as a country that interacted with a lot of other countries. They had a, they had a lot to give the world in that regard. And then once oil came into it, that's all they were seen as having to give. And that, you know, and there's some countries that are like that, that didn't even exist as a country per se until oil was found in the region, borders were set up and the stuff got milk. But the like BP, British Petroleum, who um, are, you know, as much as uh, people like to give our CIA credit for uh, Mossadegh and the and the installation of the 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 deposing of the Shah and and that stuff. MI6 working with BP had a large part. You know, we had more of a support structure in that because the Arab, uh, it was like, I forget the acronym for it before it was BP, but it's like AMSOC. It was the, you know, but it was this conjunction of the British came into Iran and said, um, we'll help you get the, the oil out of the ground and get it to market. We want 50% to do that. And because at the time they didn't have the the ability to get it out at all, you know, 50, you know, hundred percent of nothing, or fifty uh, percent of uh, billions, uh, which one's preferable for your country at that time? So they took the fifty percent deal. Over time, that oil company became British Petroleum. You'll recognize them from spilling oil in our Gulf, for example. <laughs> um, I'm Troy McClure. Yeah. And we we backed them uh, in, you know, because of the concern that the, the Iranians were getting tired of giving England 50 percent of their oil revenues. We got to take it back. It was Aramco, uh, uh, the Arabian American. No, that was the Arabian American oil company. It, it, I'll look it up during the break. We'll be back. It's the Houseworks Radio program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, WCPT820.com. Like and subscribe. Give us a thumbs up, kids. You're watching on the, the YouTube channel right now, aren't you? Aren't you? Give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It doesn't matter. The attention works either way. I love algorithms. Um, <laughs> uh, follow me on Twitter at Hal Sparks and at Jay Million. We'll be back right after this. And of course, become a Patreon subscriber. Patreon.com slash Hal Sparks. Be our boss for the price of a cup of coffee a month. I mean, there's all kinds of free shows and all kinds of goodies you get. I'm just saying. There's a possibility. You're already a patron. Maybe up the patronage. We're, we're growing. It's helping. Thank you. We'll be back. Trowling out. Damn, plus faithful, M-stick. True progressive talk. Might be a good time for you guys to give up. 
so one of the, one of the things you could not have uh, predicted in some ways is that by a military strike killing um, uh, Qasem Soleimani, a dude who most of us had no idea who he was, um, who became the most important terrorist in the world instantly overnight because he was coordinating stuff, which just, again, opens the field to how you can react. Well, that guy coordinated all kinds of stuff. What guy? Well, you know, his dad was uh, Dick Cheney, so or her dad was Dick Cheney. So if she comes onto our soil, they coordinated torture. So using this, we can justify killing them. All that kind of blowback, which you can kind of see in some time in the future. Somebody's going to try to use that as justification. But right now, uh, according to um, Arab News in Tehran, a group of Iranian protesters are demanding around Supreme leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei stepped down on Saturday after Tehran said that it uh, its military had mistakenly shot down a Ukrainian plane killing 176 people on board. Commander-in-Chief Khamenei resigned, resigned. Videos posted on Twitter showed hundreds of people chanting in front of Tehran's Amir Kabir University. Reuters could not verify the authenticity of the video footage. Iran announced Saturday that its military, quote, unintentionally shot down a Ukrainian jetliner with Russian missiles um, after the government had repeatedly denied Western accusations that it was responsible. So we didn't do it. We didn't do it. Okay, we did do it, but it was an accident. The plane was shot down early Wednesday, hours after Iran launched a ballistic missile attack on two military bases, housing U.S. troops in Iraq in retaliation for the killing of Iranian uh, General Qasem Soleimani in an American airstrike in Baghdad. No one was wounded in the attack on the bases. Um, that's Arab news. I don't know whether or not they actually, um, are, get access to that. How many people can actually, um, see that, you know what I mean? Like, not that it matters. I mean, it's, it, obviously the Iranians have over time off and on found a way to get around the limitations on, you know, on the internet around them, much like the Chinese and the Russians have to do Russia, by the way is now testing a system, uh, an intranet for their own country, where they will isolate themselves from the internet of the rest of the world because they now know how easily it can be weaponized. Wow. So they're, um, you okay? Um, so they, is that your name? <laughs> yeah, that was my squeak, sorry. <laughs> That's right. Um, they now, you know, it's so funny. It's like, it's like a, a gun manufacturer Going, I don't have a gun in the house. Those things are dangerous. You know, like that's yep. how Russia is now. Yeah, because uh, they know the reality of it. Yeah. And and the the Russians now, that's, you know, that's one of their biggest issues. By the way, I don't know if we have any callers. I didn't check. So I'm just checking. 773-763-9278 is our number. Obviously, there's a lot to be. That's good. Okay, cool. Um, uh, 773-763-9278 is the number. Um, and you... Over the last week, the the roller coaster ride of the last week, um, a lot has been shifting in the political winds of uh, the Democratic national, um, uh, like just just in general, all the committee. We lost Marianne Williamson. Uh, you know, finally she she dropped out of the race. Was that yesterday? Day before yesterday? Yeah, I think it was yesterday. Yep. Um, Hung in there longer than Kamala Harris. That's amazing to me. That's so weird. Yeah. 
it's uh, and and I think a lot of people were, you know, are still surprised that Kamala pulled out when she did, except for the fact that maybe there's some coordination going on or she's, you know, keeping her powder dry for the next election. because She's, you know, um, politically speaking, she's a young woman with prospects so she can, you know, she's got a couple of decades of of. Uh, you know, of being a, a, a valuable entity in the Democratic Party. Um, and that's, you know, by no means over by her, you know, her leaving. And I, you know, as a citizen of California, most of the time, um, I, I like Kamala and I certainly appreciated that Gavin Newsom supported her. I like Gavin a lot. I'm not going to lie. I think as as people coming up in the Democratic Party go, Gavin's, a you know, and, I you know, and I'm not going to I'm not just saying this because I at one point had his cell phone number and before he became governor. I don't know if he still has the same one. I haven't checked. It seems rude. Um, but that, you know, I walked from Harvey Milk Square um, to the to the Supreme Court building in in San Francisco for gay rights. And Gavin was right there with us way back when he was just the mayor of San Francisco. Um, I mean, I like I understand he's evil, straight white dude, but <laughs> as they come pretty, uh, pretty, a pretty great example of one. Um, but so over, you know, and and there's a lot of talk about how like um, it's basically a, uh, a margin of error race in Iowa, and New Hampshire right now. Biden is uh, is winning the uh, the African-American vote in South Carolina by somewhere in the order of like. Fifty three percent. And what am I missing there? Um, well, I mean, he was uh, Barack Obama's vice president. He's a known entity. Um, he even though he's been seen, you know, in, in he's got, I guess, the, in theory, baggage from his history. I think there's a respect that everybody has a certain amount of baggage and you're not. It's it's what you recognize about your baggage and what you're willing to change about your behavior that matters more to some people than not having any at all. Because it it tends to happen, I think, in politics for a lot of people that if you don't seem to have baggage when it shows up, it's going to be awful. True, true. Um, I call it the Trudeau effect in some ways. You know what I mean? Like um, the, the idea that that Justin Trudeau had multiple blackface pictures in his past. Like who, what, <sighs> what? Well, I mean, now he's got beard face. It's a nice attempt. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like there's an element of like, Oh, he's, look, he's perfect. Well, you know, and, but ultimately I don't think anybody has a reason to distrust his, his caring or uh, for mi- minorities in his country or, or the like, even with that stuff in the past. And then you got people who have none of that stuff and you wouldn't let them babysit your kids for 10 minutes. No. You know, none of uh, for, n- n- I, I, the example I would make is none of Trump's spiritual advisors that currently I don't know what the you know, if any of them got broomed early because something was discovered. Uh, have any, you know, pictures like that in their past. Um, <laughs> wait, except what was the, what was the cook, the woman who like basically got broomed because she was, she had a civil war party for her birthday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I she's not one that. of his spiritual advisors. She's one of those people where you're like, really, really? And that wasn't even in her past. 
She did that recently. And that was what the blow up was. But somebody who's got something, you know, none of those folks have any of that stuff in their past. And you wouldn't trust them with minority or women's rights or gay rights any day of the week. Like, it's an absurdity. So there's I think that might be part of it. Um, I'm, you know, uh, it's it's a. You know. It's a you know, it's a difficult thing to, to parse out, but I think that's one of the um, the the elements that you're up against when you're looking at, you know, the the, the field and perhaps why um, Biden has this. Like I said, he's a known entity. Nobody's going to be surprised by his takes on stuff. And when he misspeaks, that's the interesting thing, too, because he, he catches a lot of stuff for misspeaking. And as he should, he's always been kind of a gaffe machine. Half the time when he's seen as being a gaffe machine, he's saying what he really thinks. Um, and and that's, you know, people have an issue with that, which is you could argue one of the main reasons Trump got elected, why there were crossover voters for him, was that at least perception that he says what he really thinks and he's not too political about it. And and Biden, that that negative is is a positive in a lot of people's minds. The other time is when he misspeaks, he reverses something that he's saying and says sort of the exact opposite. But it doesn't mean his principal choice would be the opposite. You know what I mean? Right. That's that's the difference. And I think people can see past that. There's other people where they say it right. Like Mayor Buttigieg would be a great Mayor Pete almost never flubs linguistically and has led to almost a distrust of him by this by similar voters. By like this dude's calculating everything he says. What's up? Like they have that kind of attitude. You know, if you speak too well, which is I mean, that leads us back to, you know, Bush v. Gore and who you'd rather have a beer with. It's a terrible standard. Oh, yeah. But it's a but it exists and you can deal with reality or you can go, why does it have to blah, blah, blah. And 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 in my case, I think that's part of what's going on there is this idea that, you know, they 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 just feel like they can trust him. Um. That's and again, that's uh, that's my thought on it. Um, and I'm you know, this is the uh, I'm the moment when I check in with our um, with our chat room, because the feelings on Trudeau across the board are pretty broad from Trudeau's a racist to Trudeau's not a racist. He's just thoughtless sometimes to he's a genius. So, uh, again, um, uh, it's a great example of how I think everybody in our chat room is fantastic but for the occasional troll. And we can have a difference of opinion about somebody like that um, and and still be meaningful in that discussion about it. Um, <laughs> this is interesting. Um, and and uh, the prof said, uh, Gavin, uh, Gavin is great and a great future. He could be our Trudeau, except he doesn't have any of the, that kind of baggage. And most of his baggage happened while he was mayor when he got a divorce and there was this big kind of almost Camelot-ish storyline about him <clears throat> oh we got to take a break I, I raced past that that i beg a, uh, your pardon we're gonna uh talk to the chat room after the next break because they've got a lot to add to this as well um and brad says hal and trudeau is a dreamboat <laughs> well um i happen to think that gavin newsom came out of a machine that makes perfect politicians because that guy have you seen him like it's amazing he looks like a disney character yeah i, I yeah, think yeah. He, i think he's cg I'm fairly certain. <laughs> I think he's. I think he. That's he doesn't live near Silicon Valley. He was made there. It's entirely possible because his hand gestures and his smiling and his politicking of it's like right out of like this kid was president of his you know 
junior class in high school, that kind of thing. Uh, we'll be back. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy ending. Yay! The happy ending is we got full phone line, so we're going to grab another one. Uh, um, who do we have there that we can uh, say hello to, Devin? Who's Next, there? we have Paul out in Seattle. Excellent. Hey, Paul in Seattle. How you doing, Hal? Well, I'm I, good. I Go ahead. I, yeah, I don't know if we're in disagreement. I you see what you think, but... My slogan okay. for the week on this is, is um, if I were Iran, I, I wouldn't trust the United States any farther than I could sling a camel turd. I mean, I, somebody sure. alluded to in the past 65-plus uh, years, starting with the restoration of the House of Halabi, the Shah of Iran, Mohammed Halabi, mm-hmm. in 1953, who was a brutal dictator and a murderer, right. every bit as bad yep. as Saddam was. And that's why mm-hmm. uh, there was the revolution and why they stormed the U.S. Embassy and took it over in 1979. Okay, so then you got in the 80s, the Iran country was selling tow missiles to Iran while we're also arming Iraq with chemical weaponry. Uh, right. You know, I, okay, so then you fast forward to the last five years, because this is important. Uh, mm-hmm. While Obama is negotiating the nuclear agreement, a multinational nuclear agreement, Republican senators are sending Iran a letter, Tom Cotton and the wackadoodle Cotton, that this agreement mm-hmm. isn't worth the paper it's printed on. And right. then it comes and pull out of it. So if I'm Iran, I'm thinking, well, you know what the U.S. is saying is as soon as Obama's out of there, they're going to pull out of this and then they're going to attack us again. They're going to put sanctions on it. They're going to be hostile because, you see, if this agreement right. was in place, you can't attack. So you can't take uh, Soleimani out while you have we're in a nuclear agreement. And he's right. not making plans to kill Americans while they're in the agreement either. Otherwise, the agreement would be null and void automatically. So it was exactly the Republicans had it in mind. Then they yeah. were telling us this five years ago. We don't want. We want to keep hostilities with Iran because we want to be able to plan to attack them. And yes, it, right. was, a, it was an assassination. And you know what? Alan Dershowitz had, I don't know why this guy has any respect anymore at all. Had an op-ed in the world. Because he leaves his underwear on. That's the only thing left. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he got his notoriety by getting a murderer off. But, uh, you know. And being friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Um, and def- said, said this was. He said this was no different yeah. than, than taking out Osama bin Laden. Is it difference? Number one, Soleimani is an elect is a is a state official from a, for a sovereign nation. Osama bin right. Laden did not even have a nation. He was kicked out of right. Saudi Arabia. And not only that, this was he wasn't killed in a drone attack. Osama bin Laden was killed in a raid where the yeah. steel kicked in his kicked in his door. And he went for a weapon, and that's when he was shot, just like the police mm-hmm. would do. They, they right. wanted to take him alive. It was nothing like taking out Osama bin Laden. And so mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. So I agree. You know, it, it was a murder. And I'll, I'll make one more case here. And I know almost nobody will agree with this. But in terms of the airline, this can be as an analogy to felony, what's called felony murder. The United mm-hmm. States started this, started this sequence of events in action, in, in play, when it assassinated Soleimani. Iran retaliated, and in the sequence, within the sequence of events, uh, this airliner took off and was accidentally shot down. Iran, now we know it, 
It was one of their tow missiles, probably one that we sold to them back in the 80s. And uh, the analogy... It was a Russian you know, missile, if, in, uh, insofar okay. as we know. It was a Russian missile. But yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but the, the analogy... Still is, hear what you're saying. If, yeah. Okay, if you go into... A, if a, a bank robber goes into a bank to rob the bank, and the bank guard pulls his weapon and shoots at the robber, but hits an innocent person instead, and the innocent person dies... The bank robber is guilty of felony murder because he's right. the one who started the situation. Yeah, it's the and idea of the exactly if you if you're is. part of the robbery and someone gets killed in it, you're responsible for it as well. Like, yeah, that's uh, exactly. Um, I, yeah, I, I I hear you on that part of it. There's a there's a lot of moving parts in the in them shooting them being the act of choice to uh, yeah. to fire missiles uh, during that period. They it was. It was more akin, less about the missiles that they fired and firing on that uh, airliner, believing in theory, possibly knee-jerk reaction, that they're being attacked. Because here it right. comes. We've been hearing about it forever. Our state TV and everybody is America's the great Satan. So why in the world would Satan show any pause in what he was doing? Right. You know, why wouldn't, exactly why is the great Satan, yeah. ever, it's coming. If it's not today, it's tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, it's tonight. And I think in, in terms of that, that fear, I think that's a legit fear on their part. Insofar as I, you know, the culpability and that kind of legalese of it, I, I'm on the fence about, I hear where you're coming from on it. I, I will say the primary thing you and I do agree on is there is no material reason why the Iranians should trust or could trust the U.S. government, especially under this leadership. But even still, if they're going to undermine you know, any deal that we make, it, it, the the perfect deal could be presented to them in the next administration. And all they could say is, yeah, but for how long until they just until you elect somebody who decides they don't like the last guy or the last woman. So um, they throw it out the window and start bombing us again. What again, the only way they're safe is if they have a nuke in their mind right now. And there's a very it's very difficult to make an argument against that, considering Look at Saddam Hussein um, versus Kim Jong-un. Un has weapons of mass destruction. Saddam Hussein did not. Saddam Hussein is dead. Kim Jong-un is getting his butt kissed by this president with great regularity. Uh, excellent point. Appreciate the call, um, Paul. Uh, and we, I'm going to try and get one more caller in before the end. Who do we have, Devin? I think we have one more. We have Alina out in Milwaukee. Cool. Hey, Alina. Welcome. Elena, Elena, okay. Elena. I, I'll make my point really quickly. Uh, Trump already had his Benghazi, and the, the media's let it go, and the Democrats haven't known how to follow up on it, apparently. But a number of American military men were lost at, in Niger under very yeah. serious circumstances. But the administration covered it up, and, and it was clear that they were not properly uh, protected in Niger, and one of them, in fact, was held for apparently for days and tortured. Tortured. And an American yeah. congresswoman from the state of Florida, whose name I cannot remember right now, tried to follow up. Uh, the Trump administration tried to destroy her character. So I think mm -hmm. that this is something that we all should remember that uh, Trump has not done a good job of protecting our military men, and we shouldn't let this go. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, uh, that's an excellent point. And I and I do think so much stuff becomes water under the bridge so quickly because there's always a another horror right around the corner um, that a, a lot of people that feels like a thousand years ago to them. 
And um, but it's it, it's not less true because of that time passing. I appreciate the call, Johnny Million. You're awesome. Thank you, brother. Um, we'll see you next week. Uh, it's now yeah, you will. Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPD Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Thank you for the super chats, by the way. Um, um, those of you, let's see, I want to uh, make sure I got it in there. But uh, we had um, some just like great conversations in the chat room today. And I felt like because of what we were talking about, I missed some of it. So I'm going to talk about it in the post show. Stick around if you guys want. Um, infotainmentwars.com. And I'll see you next week. Twenty twenty, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than one hundred of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.